Good morning. Come on. Good morning. You're in trouble. <laughs> I got coffee in me. All these front row seats are open. I did shower. It's okay. If you want to move forward, you can. Um, my name's Jim. I think I've had a chance to meet most of you as you have come in through the door. But if not, uh, I am from Cherry Hill, a church plant that started about a year and a half ago called Redeemed and Restored Fellowship. Redeemed for the lost. Restored. Believe it or not, it's for the Christian. Because we're all broken in some way, shape, or form. And so, the cross is ever important. Community is very important. And fellowship is kind of a, a lost and dying world in Christianity. Where now you hear people say, I don't need to go to church. Yeah, you do. I don't need, I can study. No, you need to come to church. So if there's any of you who are doubting that, remember that the Bible says you have a spiritual gift, at least one of them, and the gift was given to you, not for you, but it was given to you so you could use it upon all of us. That's why it's important you gather together. So don't lose sight of that. Um, we are going to do a Bible study. Does anyone here not have a Bible? Raise your hand. Everyone's got their Bibles. If not... You are going to need one. You cannot go. You can't trust me. Acts 17.11, Paul says, don't trust him. Search the Scriptures for yourself to see that what I say is true. Otherwise, I'll be telling you that the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl and some of you are going to tell me, no, it's not going to happen, right? But it is. I prophetess up here. I love it. So grab a Bible. Open your Bibles. We are going to start in Matthew 28. But I'm going to give you the thumb marks ahead of time. It makes it much easier instead of a quarter of the way through the message and then if you're unable to find the verses. So I'm going to give you our starting spots today ahead of time. So mark them accordingly. So we're going to start in Matthew 28. But you're also going to want to reference Hebrews chapter 5. I'll give you the verses when we actually turn to the actual chapter. Luke chapter 9, again, those three starting spots are Matthew chapter 28, Hebrews chapter 5, and Luke chapter 9. I just want to thank John uh, for allowing me the opportunity to come up here from Cherry Hill to share the word with you folks. Um, I love my Bible. <laughs> Everyone has an excuse is the title of today's message. And I, it will help you to know a little bit about me as to why the heaviness of this message. So for those of you, because John is probably the only one that really knows my story. So I grew up in a United Methodist church. And at the ripe age of 15, I remember going up to the pastor and I said, Yo, bro, do you really believe this book word for word? Because up till that point, 
all the birds chirping in my ears were telling me it's a bunch of fairy tales, it's a bunch of myth, it's no better than a Disney tale. So when I asked him that question, the pastor of that church said no, he did not believe all of the Bible was inspired by God. In fact, the book of Revelation definitely does not belong in the Bible. So I scratched my head, I looked him in his face, I said, and you, you get paid to teach something that you don't believe? Really? How does that happen? How does someone who says they get a piece of paper that says DVD or VHD or whatever D's and V's you can put together on a piece of paper, yet he's up there telling people, if you're just good, you're going to be okay. The Bibles were under the pews. No one brought a Bible to church. They were there ready for you, which implied that no one opened them up during the week. And so I left the church. And I went straight into the world where I pursued a lifestyle of immorality, drunkenness, looking for fame and fortune because the church, the place I was supposed to find Jesus, I couldn't find him there. Because it was religion and not relationship. It wasn't about this, ladies and gentlemen. It was about everything else. And already, you're probably thinking, this guy's probably, he's a little crazy. <laughs> I'm passionate about what I do, and I don't ask a dime for it. I know John said I'm supposed to be receiving a check, but I'm going to cut it up. You don't pay me to do something that I don't deserve to do. You don't pay me for something that I love to do. You need to read your Bibles because everyone has an excuse. Being the title of the message, it wasn't until I found myself, it happened to be a, a Calvary Chapel, but the point of it was I got saved when someone finally taught me the Bible verse by verse, word by word, line upon line, precept upon precept. Let me ask you a question before we begin. For those of you who've ever read a book, which I'm assuming at this point, everyone's read at least one. What book do you start in chapter 9? And then go to chapter 16. And then go to chapter 2. Don't you normally systematically, when you read a book, you start at page one, and, well, if it's a good book, you finish it. Right? Yes? Topical messages will only grow you so far. There's a place and a time you need to study the Scripture line upon line, precept upon precept. Interesting enough, Isaiah in chapter 28 said the same thing and was mocked by his religious peers. Judgment's coming. you got to get back to the Word, Israel. Get back to teaching line upon line, Israel. And they didn't want to do it. They didn't listen to him. And guess what? Judgment sure enough came. And let me tell you my other experience. 
Now when I meet Christians, classic point. I was in a wholesale, BJ's Wholesale Club, buying lunch meat. I meet this wonderful couple. They're in their 60s. I asked them, oh, they saw my t-shirt. That's how I'm, I'm infamous because of these things. They hold you accountable, by the way. So when I'm driving in traffic, I just look down at my shirt and remind myself, who's really driving? But here's the thing. I met a couple, 16 years and 18 years, these people were saved. Raise your hand in this room if you've been saved for longer than 10 years. Put your hands down. Do we have over 15 years? Wow. I'll stop there. <laughs> Let me ask you, if I open up to Philippians chapter 2 and say, can you teach the first five verses out of that chapter? Would you be able to do it? Would you be able to systematically break it down and explain it, even if it's just to your children? And that's not just as if they're little or insignificant. Because I get it, not everyone is going to be a pastor teacher, but we're all required to teach. When I said this to those two people I met at BJ's, they looked at me and said they can't. That is unacceptable because what I'm finding every single day of my life is Christians everywhere do not know their Bibles. And it's a sin and it's a sad state that you can be saved for more than 15 years and you can't teach five verses. But that's the epidemic we are facing. I am trying to personally, by the grace and mercy of God, stamp out biblical illiteracy and ignorance. How are you going to do out there? And how are your kids going to fare against the moral relativism of our world when the atheists knock on their door and Jehovah's Witness knock on their door and they can't know their scriptures? How are they going to feel helpless? They're going to feel ashamed. And I don't, wow, I just believe in this because somebody told me. We need to pray for the church in America. Because all I hear from the churches around me is it's entertainment. People come because we jam and get in. But then I ask them, okay, after the great worship session, tell me what did you learn? And you know what they say? I don't remember. Ho ho. We learned something? Then you have where I live in Cherry Hill, churches everywhere. The health and wealth gospel. Has anyone ever heard of the prosperity gospel? Raise your hand. For those of you who don't, there's churches out there that tell people if you're healthy and you're wealthy, that's the only way a Christian should be. And if you don't have health and you don't have wealth, that means you're a wretched sinner doing something wrong or you lack faith. So God is this genie in the sky who's looking to hand you paychecks. Does that sound like your Bible? You see, folks, it's easy to be a believer, but it's hard to be a disciple. That's my mantra. It's easy to be a believer. Why? It's a gift. Mom and Dad give you a gift. Grandma and Grandpa give you a gift. It's wonderful. Just open it. Yay, it's a gift. 
You all, I imagine, have received a gift from God, haven't you? It's called salvation. You can't earn it or work at it. You come to Jesus acknowledging your sin. He gives you the gift. And then He says, it's time to go to work. And this is where much of the Christianity falls by the wayside. Because we all have an excuse. So, I've asked you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start here. We pick it up in verse 18. And it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples, God bless you, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching... Circle that word. We're going to come back to it. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Otherwise, in Christianity, we start here for today's message because it's called the Great Commission. Has anyone ever heard that term? Commission means there's two parties involved. You whether you're 8 years old or 80 years old. It doesn't matter. The other party is Jesus. And he says now to this audience, the 11 disciples, <laughs> all authority has been given to me. Look in verse 19. It says, go therefore. A better translation based off of the Greek is as you're going. As you're going. Why is that important? Because we're always going somewhere, aren't we? To work, to the gym, dance, whatever it is. Even if you're going home, there's always an opportunity to make a disciple. So as you're going, in verse 19 it says, make disciples. Circle the word for make. Highlight it, underline it, because it's imperative in the Greek as well as aorist. What it simply means is there comes a one point in your past where you say, Jesus, from this point going forward, I'm never going to stop looking to make disciples. That was the command given to these 11 men. But let me ask you a question. Does it only apply to just these 11 men? Anyone want to take a wild guess? Does it just apply to them? No, no is the correct answer. That means it applies to you. No! I can't! <laughs> Who is the last disciple or the current disciple that you have made? Do you have one? Some of you may say, but Jim, I need to be discipled first. And I would agree. Let me help you. While you search for your new founding pastor, 
you can ask me for my number. I will give it to you, and we'll have as many phone conversations as we have so that you can get your Bible questions answered. So you can learn how to study. Do you know what I do with our church back in Cherry Hill? The men in one group, women in another group, and I teach them my method on how to break and study Scripture. That's what we do. Every week. Once a week, I take the 20 guys, that's what it's up to now, and we take about the 10 or 12 women, that's what it's up to now, and every week, systematically, they learn how to break Scripture Because that's what Jesus said to do. And I get it. It can be nerve-wracking. But what? imagine this. What if the first 11 guys looked Jesus in his face and said, No, not going. Where would we be? What if they said, I can't? What if they said, I won't? What if they said, maybe later? Where would we be? And notice again what he says to do. Go to all nations. The Great Commission. Take it to the farthest ends of the world. I call it now the Great Omission. Because For many, many Christians that I talk to, there is absolutely no urgency or need or maybe even a desire to make disciples. The church has failed then. If all you do is sit here on Sunday mornings and then you never open your Bible during the week, it's no different than eating one Meal a week. Let me ask you, who here likes to eat at least three meals a day? Go on a diet starting today. There's no lunch after service. No potluck next week. No dinner. No dessert. No candy. You get to eat nothing till next Sunday. And come tell me how you feel by the end of the week. If you're anything like me, I get hangry after I miss one meal. My wife is like, you need food. Here, she comes a sandwich or a bowl of Golden Grahams. Ah. you got to eat, folks. If we're supposed to teach, and it applies to you and me, then what excuse are we already making in our hearts right now I don't want to teach. I don't want to learn. I just want to go to heaven. You can do that. Jesus promised you that. Salvation. You don't lose it. Because God gives you this gift when it's genuine and you honestly receive it. But then it's supposed to look like something. He's told us that we should teach and observe. Notice all the things that He commanded. Why do I bring your attention to that? There's plenty in here to learn. Do you know the Bible, New Testament, has over 1,000 commands? I'm dumb. I can't even remember probably about 15. That's why I need to be in it every day. And I forget... I'm getting old. 
Over a thousand. He says, teach these things. But you know what? You can go to seminary and learn a lot about historians and reformers and things like that. And while that may help shape your personal theology, focus on teaching this. This is what changes lives. When I got saved, there was a hunger and a thirst to know God. The way you get to know Him is through this. But if you raised your hand, and listen up, maybe you didn't raise your hand because you're in a spot where you should be learning. I asked you to turn to Hebrews. Go to chapter 5. Because if you think I'm the only one that's going to warn you about this, well, now you can't remain in ignorance anymore. And ignorance just means without knowledge. That's why I love teaching the Word. So I'm not the only one that gets the sting of conviction (laughs) when I neglect my biblical duty. Look in Hebrews chapter 5. Look in verse starting 11. It says, of whom we have much to say, and there's hard things to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Circle that word dull. Highlight it. Underline it. It means lazy. Sluggish. For though by this time, verse 12, you ought to be teachers. uh Uh-oh. It doesn't say pastors. It doesn't say apostles. It says teacher. Because everyone is required at some point to teach. For though though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the Word. Underline it. Highlight it. Unskilled. In the word of righteous righteousness, for he or she is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of maturity, that is, by those by reason who use or discern their practice their senses, exercising to discern both good and evil. Your attention, please. There ought to be a time when you grow up. Now, some of you have young children. Some of you may have infants at home. I have a 10-month-old daughter. She loves her bottle. Man, you show her that bottle, she screams at you. Once you shove that bottle in her mouth, oh, silence. It's a beautiful picture, though, of someone that's so hungry for something, though. But now listen, if, I, if you came into my house and saw the bottle stuck in my mouth, what would you think? If you saw someone spoon-feeding me, here, Jim, have another bite. What would you say to me? Anyone, what would you say? Grow up. Hey, God gave you a hand. Why don't you learn how to 
spoon or hole, right? If we would do that in the natural world, the admonishment here is some of us need to just to be told that in the spiritual world. It's time that we decide to grow up. Is your excuse for not teaching your dull of hearing? You don't listen to God's Word. You may read it, right? And then close it and as if nothing ever happened. You hear sermon after sermon after sermon about being a living sacrifice, about being a, a doer, not just a hearer. But all it does is go in one ear, out the other. Because we're lazy of hearing. I get it. Life can be tiring and exhausting. And we all want those moments of free time. I mean, that's why they name the furniture Lazy Boys. Right? Man, it just, oh, once I get down to one of those bad boys, forget it. The house better be on fire or a dirty diaper of screaming babies. The only thing that's going to get me up out of that point. But are you here today, unable to teach, a couple of verses and break it apart because you just don't know your Bible. Don't stay that way. Please, I beg of you. If you want your marriage to be better, don't you have to work at it? If you want to be better in school, don't you have to put some time into it? If you're an athlete, don't you have to practice no Christian is born tough and knows it. Knows it all. It's all a process by which we all grow. And take it from me. Trust me when I say I had no real discipleship. I went to a big church. Because that's what we do in America now. Pastors are into big mega churches, at least some of them. Because we care about how many people fill the pews and the chairs, so more money in our buckets, so we can have this grand thing. Meanwhile, half to three-quarters of the sheep are struggling with sin. They're confused about the Bible. Come on, I'm not the only one that's ever opened up the Bible and said, I have no idea what it's saying. Have you ever done that? I tried to read God's Word, but I'm lost. Don't, stay, don't be like me when I drive if I get lost. My wife's like, are we lost? We're never lost. I know exactly where I am. I just got distracted. Squirrel. <laughs> I was probably too busy yelling at the guy driving two miles in front of me that I missed my exit. I know no one can relate. Only in Jersey we drive this way. Amen. <laughs> Has anyone here, oh, let me ask you, who here likes steak? Just raise your hand. I'm just curious. Oh, look at you. The juiciest ribeye. Oh, so savory. So good. My wife and I, Outback is our date night. It's so great. 
And I mean no disrespect. If you don't like steak, then imagine you're a veggie patty. It's meat, but it's vegetarian form. You are missing out, folks, if your excuse is, I just don't study my Bible. When I first got saved, my pastor was in the book of Daniel. Daniel. I had to listen to the message about 80 times before I finally got it. And that's no lie. Some of the things in the Bible are hard to discern and understand. I get it. But there's some pretty easy, straightforward stuff. Don't let the excuse of just being lazy and just let someone spoon-feed you for the rest of your life. Pick up your Bibles. Call me. I will teach you how to do it. And once you start, listen, ask anyone in our church. We happen to have a couple here who's in our church. They came up and they'll tell you how their life has so changed when they went from entertainment to eat in the Word. And now they're like spotting all these churches that do everything wrong, that just feed them the wrong diet. And if you have kids, parents, you are a steward over them. This year at summer, I taught at a Christian summer camp. 150 kids from a conglomerate of mainline denominational churches showed up. Do you understand? Do you understand? It broke my heart to hear 17-year-olds say, I didn't know I could be a disciple. Do you understand? It broke my heart to hear kids say, I just thought I'd wake up and be 30 and know the Bible by sitting on Sunday service. I didn't know it took so much time and effort. I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. I'm telling you, they don't know. And then it'll break your heart when they say, Jim, there's nobody back home in my church to disciple me. What do I do? If that was your daughter or your son, tell me that doesn't break your heart. Now, I know John, he's the only one I've really met, I can attest that he can help disciple you if that's what it's going to take. And I'm here and I'm hoping to help him set up a discipleship group similar to ours so you can begin to experience revival. If we don't ask for this, if we don't do this, I'm included on this. We're in trouble. Because guess what? Jesus says, what is the only thing that is going to survive into eternity? Heaven and earth are going to burn away. My word stands forever. I asked you also to go to Luke chapter 9. Because in Luke chapter 9, we're given a glimpse of several individuals that I want us to look at that also have excuses for why discipleship uh, is not for me right now. In Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57, it says, Now it happened 
as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. So we're introduced to a couple individuals I really want us to look at because we're going to draw probably some very serious and personal application from it. The first individual that comes along, he promises, he sees the Jesus show going on. People are being miraculously healed, raised from the dead. Thousands, multitudes are getting fed. Hey, I want to be part of this. This sounds exciting. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you want to go. So Jesus tells him, really? Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Do you know what the largest nation in the world is? Procrastination. <laughs> do you know how many times I've had someone say to me, Yo, Pastor Jim, I'll do this later. Pastor Jim, I'll come to Bible study. They don't show. Next week, I'll come, I'll come. Every week, no show, no show. Hey, did you read your Bible today? No, I'll do it later. Right? We've done that. You get up in the morning, you're prepared to have quality God time. Something happens. Okay, God, I'll see you at lunch. 12 o'clock rolls around. Hey, we're going to our favorite burger shop. You want to come? Yeah, sure. Oh, wait, I forgot. I, no, you know what? Burger first, God second. And then we say, God, I'll see you at dinner. And then the kids are screaming. The water faucet's flying. Cars breaking down. Okay, God, I'll see you tonight. Uh-oh, I forgot my favorite TV show's on. Can't do it now. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. That becomes your routine. You say, I will, but you don't mean it. I say, I will, and I choose Eagles football. I know. It stings me. I choose this TV show that probably has some content that's not very appropriate. There's no such thing as convenience when it comes to being a disciple. Down where we live, we have Wawa's. Whatever the famous convenience store up here is, call it what it is, but you just can't, it's not like Burger King. You can't just have it your way. This isn't Nike. I'm sorry, this isn't Reebok where it's your own world, your own planet. Think of the commercials on the ads. Everything is about you, isn't it? 
And we live in this convenient society. You know, if I feel like it. Did Jesus feel like going to the cross for you and me? Did he feel like coming to this place? Look around where people throw bombs on kids, send them into the streets, and Allah Akbar, they blow people up thinking that's God's plan. But Jesus stepped into our miserable world, our sin-wretched lifestyle, and he said, I don't care how I feel because it's about obedience. And it's never about convenience. God, I guarantee, will always call upon you to do something when it hurts the most. You stay, you say after today, I'm ready to get on fire for God. I hope you're ready for the, the attacks. Jesus came to this place. Listen, he didn't have a place to lay his own head. Some people act like, okay, you know what? I got to graduate school first, then I'll get serious. Then they graduate, they're still not serious. Then I got to get my first real job. Then they get their first real job. Then they got to get into retirement. So, where does all, I got to get married first. I got to do this first. We have our priorities upside down. If all you do is procrastinate, you show up to heaven empty-handed. You show up to heaven with nothing but a life, honestly, spiritually wasted. And I know that stings and hurts, but the Bible says that you're going to be rewarded for what you do here on earth. You are given gifts to do works, and you're going to answer for them. So it's my job as the pastor to say, let's all get our act together and get in line. Let's stop saying we're Christians and start doing Christianity. Let's stop saying we're being spiritual and start acting it. And that was the first man's excuse. And given in this passage we're looking at in Luke chapter 9, they didn't have the full knowledge of who Jesus was. Because at that time, they still thought Jesus was a prophet, maybe a good teacher, whatever, right? How much more we know who He is. He is the living, true God. The only one. So for us, to procrastinate is even worse than them. Second guy says, hey, first, look in verse 59. He said to another, follow me. Here comes the command. Present imperative once again. Jesus says, follow me and follow me right now. I don't care what you're doing right now. Drop it, follow me. This second gentleman says, well, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Your attention, please. Look again in verse 59. Notice it says, Lord, let me first Anytime that it's me first, that never works. Anytime you put yourself first before God, it never works. You will end up useless and fruitless if it's you first. If He is your Lord, 
Stop calling him Savior and Lord. Just call him your Savior if all you want is fire insurance. I just want to go to heaven. You can have that. But why would you just want to settle for that? Ask yourself this question. Why are you even here? Why are you alive? What is your purpose in life? Why did Jesus create you? Why did He do it? I can tell you, to glorify Him first and to reach this lost world, starting in your school, starting maybe in your home. Maybe your own sibling doesn't know Jesus. Maybe your mom or dad doesn't know Jesus. You have the awesome opportunity to help them come to know Him. We don't know how old the dad is. He could be, man, my age. A nice young 41. I got the neck pain. It doesn't feel young, but hey, I still like to think I'm young. And again, the point is, is we can just wait and wait and wait. Look at Jesus' response. Let the dead bury their dead. He's talking about the guy's dead. He says, it's not that Jesus doesn't care about the dead. And it's not that Jesus doesn't want us to not respect our mom and dad. That's a commandment. But some of us, family become idols. Parents who have kids, sometimes your kid can become your God. I love my daughter. I would lay down my life for my daughter. But there are times when Pastor Jim has to say, okay, I can't do that with her today because I need to prepare for a message or I need to call this person who needs help or I need to reach out to a brother or sister or whatever the case is. Some of us get lost. We're not in fellowship. We're not in Bible study. We're not looking to be discipled or disciple because family comes first. It's God first and then your family. So if that's your weak spot, then let this be just some sweet conviction so you start to make some changes. Now your kids, listen parents, should be your first natural disciples. But if you yourself can't disciple them, then you need to get discipled. You need to call me once a week and I'll meet with you on the phone and say, okay, let's do Bible study. Let me teach you how to do this so then you can go share it with your kids. After service, do you parents talk about the message with your kids? Do you look them in the face and say, did you hear what Pastor Jim said? Did you learn anything? What did God say to you today? Do you do that? Or do you just leave church and it's just, okay, Whew. thank God that man full of hot air is done. Thank God we're going home. I couldn't wait to get out of that building. Let's talk about something way more important than what? Salvation? God? Your Creator? Your Savior? Your sustainer? The fact that you take your next breath is due to the fact that Jesus is allowing it to happen. You understand me, right? Right? 
Verse 61. And another said, Lord, I will follow you. He has another me first problem, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom. So this man, it's kind of similar, but his problem is this. Creature of comfort, home. I got to say goodbye to what's at home. Now, I am with you. I like comfort. Oh, you know what it's like? I know you can relate. You pull up those nice down comforter, get into that, oh, oh, that bed. Oh, this is so good. It's so comfortable. You've got your most comfortable set of pajamas on. Right? That's something I think that many of us can relate to. The first 300 years, disciples ran for their life. You understand? Listen up. Nero, the Caesar, would take you, light you up, and burn you, and use you as a human torch. There was no such thing as comfortableness in the church. There was no such thing as creatures of comfort because they ran and they hid and they fled for their lives. But now we live in a nation where God has overblessed us and we can't get out of it. Comfort chains us to our stinking knees. It makes us immobile for Christ, incapacitated to be the disciple that He has called us to be. You have to fight against it, war against it, pray against it. And so do I. In fact, I've coined a phrase. My friend Darrell Hill knows. Now, I live tired. I live tired because there's always a need or there's somebody that's always heavy on my heart or there's someone that needs to learn the Bible. How am I going to say no? My flesh wants the comfort, but my spirit's like, come on! You can do it! One more! One more minute! One more hour! Who here goes to the gym? Just raise your hand out of a... No, and it's just to say, because this illustration is only going to apply to those that work out. Do you know where the most growth typically comes? It's in the few reps that you can't do on your own. When you can do 10 reps, yeah, that's easy. But then those next three, you need a spotter to help push you through. Trainers will tell you that's where the growth takes place. It's not in the ones that are easy. It's the ones that are hard. But we live in a generation of spiritual wimps. I don't want to study for an hour. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray. I hear it. All the time. You think I'm up here because it's 
I just want to be up here? No! For those of you who don't know, I study Wing Chun Kung Fu. Okay, I decided I saw a Hollywood movie that looked really cool as these guys could throw like 10 punches in like two seconds. And I'm like, wow, that looks awesome. I want to do that. I just want to be able to do that. So I found a school near me. The guy looks like a pizza delivery boy. So first thing I did was I mocked the whole disciple of Wing Chun. I laughed at him until he said, well, why don't you try to throw something at me? And when he, he threw three punches, the third one I literally could not see, it opened my, well, it closed my eyes because it hurt. <laughs> but it said to me, this guy's trained. This guy knows what he's doing. This guy... But when you hear about what he went through to get that good, I had to honestly say, I don't know if I'm willing to do that. Because guess what? Sure enough, two weeks into class, we're doing bone knocking. Every, I mean, I come home black and blue. You ever bang your shin on something? We do that for fun. <laughs> this feels great. It hurt! I was a creature of comfort. I was a wimp, honestly. Ask John now about my hands. He's like, don't ever, don't ever touch me ever again, Jim. <laughs> Slapped him one out of good fun, left a birthmark. <laughs> but I wanted to quit. When I was learning to do this and going through the pain, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it takes time. Yeah, it takes dedication. But come on, folks. We're going to stand before Jesus. And are we going to want to say, Lord, I didn't feel like reading my Bible to His face. Say it to mine. It's easy. Say it to Him. I'm sure it's not going to be fun. And everything that you did here that took the place of that, I guarantee when He wipes away the tear that is in heaven, it's going to be a sign of regret. What you could have done. How you could have pastored. How you could have taught. How you could have ministered. But you chose to be the spiritual whip. Are we going to continue to make excuses and just play church? First off, Jesus says go and make disciples. He doesn't say build a church. Whose job is it to build a church? That's right. It's Jesus. God says, I add to the church daily. No man can do it. One man plants, another woman waters, but who gives the increase? God. If we don't get back to disciple-making, you'll never see church growth. If we don't get back to disciple-making, you'll never see marriages healed. If we don't get back to disciple-making, the single men struggling with pornography are going to continue to struggle. The drunkards are going to continue to hit the bar because they have no anchor to their soul. They're drinking milk. But they don't know that the answers are all here. Jesus says, 
No one putting hands to the plow looking back is fit. There is why I gave you the gym and martial arts illustration. Because the first excuse that many of us may make, including myself some days, God, I'm too tired. How hard are you training, Jim? How hard are you training? Because there was another man, I believe it was Jeremiah, who said, I'm too tired. And you know what God's response to Jeremiah was? If the footmen have wearied you, Jeremiah, how will you contend with the horses? Translation, you think you're tired from running with men. When your ministry gets harder and harder, it's going to feel like you're running against the horses. And you're going to just pass out. Stay with me, Jeremiah. Train hard. Ministry is hard. Oswald Chambers said it bet. Best. Pastors, you have the hardest job in the world. This is Oswald Chambers, who writes the utmost for the highest, and I love his devotions. But he says this, you have the hardest job in the world because you have to get people to do the very thing they're dead set against doing. It's hard. It takes discipline. Are you honestly, ask yourself as we get ready to close this question, is this too hard for you? Was this message too hard for you? Do you not care? Do you not want to change? Do you want to remain the same? Well, guess what? I have a closing passage for you. Just listen carefully. It comes from John chapter 6. You can look it up on your own. But in verse 60, here's what it says. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What if then you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were and did not believe. And who would betray him? And he said, therefore, I have said to you, and that no one can come to me unless it's been granted to him by the Father. And from this time, John 6, verse 66, it's easy to remember because it's 666. John 666, listen to me. If you only remember this, this is what I leave you with. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They walked no more. And do you think Jesus was bothered by it? Offended by it? Oh no, they're leaving. I should go coddle them and try to bring them back. No. Next verse, <clears throat> Jesus says to the original 12, do you want to go to? This too hard for you? See the exit sign? It's got your name. Does this sound like the lovey-dovey, graceful, loving Jesus like we've all grown up to love? For some of you, first time, this is shell shock. Some of you, this is radical. No, it's biblical. There's a lot of harder sayings than this. I can assure you, I'm aware of them. God's dealt with me. So now I get the blessing to share it with you. Is this too hard? 
I don't want you to walk out of here saying it is. What I want you to walk out of here is to say, I'm ready. Jim, let's do this. Like poker, I'm all in. I'm betting it all. I'm going for broke. Because listen, at the end of your life, we want to hear the famous words from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want to hear well done. Or you're done, I should say. Hey, Jim, I get to heaven. You're done. <laughs> no, I want to hear well done. Good and faithful servant. It requires time, discipline, and a heart spiritually that will make no more excuses. Amen? Father, we thank You for Your Word. As difficult as it is, Lord, the church is in trouble at large and we need to step up and be disciples and make disciples and get back to what You commanded and taught us to do, Lord. Father, I pray that You help every heart in here. Whatever distraction, whatever schedule they have that's so busy, whatever thing that they are drawn to that creates comfort, that You would help them step out of that, God. Help them set it aside, Lord God. And help them to understand reading their Bibles is so, so important. And I pray for this fellowship. Lord, that it would grow. You would breathe life into it. You would breathe passion into it. That this family here would be known for making disciples, Lord. Please raise up the men. Raise up the women. Help raise up the children. That they would, Lord, be all they can be for You. Because you, I know, Lord, that when one person, when one individual has a heart that burns for God, the whole world will show up to see them burn. Let that be us, God. Start a fire in us today. Help us, God. Our flesh is weak, but our spirit is willing. We need You every hour of every day. Father, I pray for the offering that will be taken, that it will be used to further Your kingdom into helping make more disciples. Would You bless it? Let those that give do so from a cheerful heart, not out of obligation or grudge. Thank You for Your holy word, Jesus. We can't thank You enough because, Lord, Dying for us is the most you could have done. Living for you is the least we can do for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.